Christian Reconstructionism is a philosophy of biblical dominance that is so extreme that it's easy to dismiss as utterly incompatible with our pluralistic, secular, high-tech society. That is, until you learn to recognize its teachings and its objectives as they make their way into more mainstream rhetoric. An outstanding history of the movement has just come out in the form of a new book by Dr. Julie Ingersoll. The title is Building God's Kingdom Inside the World of Christian Reconstructionism, and I am grateful to have the author joining me right now on State of Belief Radio. Uh, Julie, welcome back. Well, thank you. It's great to be back. One of the worst things an interviewer can do to an author is ask her to boil down years and years of work into a brief (laughs) definition. Uh, But I can guarantee we have some listeners who are not familiar with Christian Reconstructionism at all. So, Judy, I have to ask you, please, to do a brief definition to get us started. Okay, okay. Um, Christian Reconstructionists are a kind of Reformed Calvinist Christian. Um, their origins date to the early 1960s and a writer named R.J. Rushduni. Um, the most important component of what they've done is to make an argument for applying the Bible as they read it to every aspect of life. Um, and your listeners may actually have encountered references to them in various publications um, because occasionally they do sort of make their way into um, you know, newspaper articles and, and magazine articles and the like. But often it's because Rush Dooney said some very inflammatory things, um, and usually all that people hear about him are those things. And so it's easy for people to think that this movement isn't particularly relevant, um, because if you only know the really inflammatory things, then it doesn't seem possible that they could have had any influence. The book argues that there's more influence than people recognize. Julie, I, I want to... Uh just lift something out of what you just said. You, they, they apply the Bible as they read it. What, what yeah. does as they read it mean? Well, that's, that's a really great question, because a lot of times when people who are sort of mainstream modern Christians encounter these folks, it's really hard for people to get their head around how it is that they're reading the Bible in the way that they are. I think one of the first most important things to recognize is they take a notion from the Reformation about the unity of Scripture, mm-hmm. and they see the Hebrew Bible slash Old Testament and the New Testament as, as one sacred text. There's, modern Christians often make a break, and they say, oh, well, that was the Old Testament, and we live in New Testament times, and they actually often think there's a radical discontinuity in history with regard to Old Testament and New Testament. But Christian Reconstructionists, um, and they're tapping into a long-standing tradition as part of the Protestant Reformation, um, believe that the entirety of the Bible, the Old and New Testaments, um, are, are um, still relevant. Hmm. And so when they read the Bible to think about how to apply it to life, they start with the Old Testament. So That's some of the inflammatory things. So when we hear about dominionism, is that just another word for Christian Reconstruction? 
Well, um, you know, I mean, the book of Genesis talks about uh, commanding Adam and Eve to go forth and exercise dominion. So it's a concept that's in the, it, you know, it's in the, in the Old Testament. Um, but it is actually as a part of the ideology, a key component of how Reconstructionists think that the world should be transformed according to biblical law. Mm-hmm. Um, so they think that God made Adam and Eve in Genesis for a particular purpose that was dominion. The fall ruined that, and that with the resurrection, Jesus restored humanity to its original purpose, which is the exercise of dominion. Hmm. So when you do read in the newspaper or in magazines about dominionism, that is a theological perspective that traces back to this movement. Uh, one other um, relationship, what, what other movements overtly connect to this? For example, the Quiverful model of family, is that uh, related to Reconstructionism? Yeah, I think that one really is. Um, I mean, I could actually, there are much broader ones like homeschooling and Christian schooling that we could talk about. Um, but the Quiverful movement, uh, much of the promotion of it was uh, out of a, an organization in Texas that actually doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it was founded by Doug Phillips, um, and it was called Vision Forum. And uh, um, they actually developed and promoted this very specific notion of what they call uh, biblical patriarchy or the Quiverful Movement. So, so that's a- absolutely a movement that is closely identified with Christian Reconstructionists. Um, but even more broadly, movements where people wouldn't necessarily realize the degree to which um, their uh, perspective is rooted in Rushduni, um, I-, I think sometimes that's the more interesting place to look. So, you know, starting in the 60s and 70s, Reconstructionists were Rushduni per- specifically made an argument that public education is inherently unbiblical mm-hmm. and that Christians needed to pull their children out of public schools. And initially it was to put them in Christian schools, um, but sometimes they ran afoul of truancy laws. And Rushdeny successfully argued in the court that um, the right to choose a religiously based education for your, for your children is actually um, a, a First Amendment protected right. Mm-hmm. And so he actually helped lay the early philosophical groundwork for this movement that we call Christian education, um, and he was involved in much of the early curriculum development for that, mm-hmm. and for establishing a legal structure where it was protected. You have mentioned uh, once or twice already some of the things that Rush Dooney said that people would just have trouble believing he yeah. actually said them. Give us two or three examples. Well, um, you know, there are texts in the Old Testament that talk about the death penalty for homosexuality, or at least appear to. Uh, there's debate over whether that's an appropriate interpretation of those texts. But Rush Dooney advocated the death penalty for homosexuality. Um, he advocated a death penalty for teens who proved themselves to be incorrigible. Uh, he argued that slavery was biblical, which it may well be. <laughs> um, he argued that slavery was biblical. Uh, that you know, you can ask whether that means that we ought to question that kind of use of the Bible, but uh, you know whether or not that's a the whether or not the Bible is the appropriate standard might be challenged by mm-hmm. an argument that it seems to be okay with slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did argue that slavery was a, was biblical, and in his mind, to say that something was biblical was to say that it ought to be able to happen. 
Hmm. So he did say these things. But I think the problem happens is somebody tries to write about Reconstruction, and they say, R.J. Rustini, who believed that slavery was biblical. Um, and then any kind of conversation, because I don't think we're about to reintroduce slavery, so that does indeed make him sound very fringe and irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that distracts us from looking at the influence that he had in places where it's not so fringe that it is irrelevant, like like uh, privatization of public education. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, he also argued in favor of privatization of the prison system hmm. in the 60s and 70s. Goodness. So I know that was his rhetoric, and I know that's in the literature that he produced. How much actual work, lobbying, uh, social engineering did he do to, to bring into reality these things he's saying are wrong? Well, um, I, he probably, well, he did a lot in terms of, I think, pr- uh, producing this Christian school, homeschool movement. And I think that that's been very influential, kind of, you know, second and third generations doing the kinds of things that he advocated. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wasn't exactly an activist. I mean, he did testify in court cases, uh, so he would give sort of expert testimony. Um, in legal proceedings, but he was not one to, you know, uh, organize political campaigns. But some of his followers have been. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, numbers. Many of his followers have been. So each people have taken on different aspects of it. Um, so one of his followers, uh, Gary Demar, has an organization outside Atlanta called American Vision, um, and he's been very involved in Tea Party stuff from the, from the first, you know, from you know really early two thousand and nine. Uh, you know, they, they do those um, study cruises mm-hmm. where they have uh, a variety of Tea Party leaders where mm-hmm. uh, he's one of the speakers and one of the organizers. So there are places where Rush G followers are out um, advocating certain kinds of mm-hmm. reforms. Now, they don't go, argue, they don't go arguing that um, we ought to legalize slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they kind of stay away from those things, but... They definitely argue for the dismantling of public education. They argue for the transformation of uh, correctional facilities and prison systems to privatization. Mm -hmm. Um, There is an entire view of economics that they understand to be rooted in the Bible. They call it biblical economics. And it's kind of classic libertarian um, Austrian school for people who know the little buzzwords. Um, You know, so it's very much that form of economics, but they work... Uh, tirelessly to promote that stuff. Julie, when we hear presidential candidates like Mike Huckabee or Rick Santorum talking about putting God first, putting the Bible first, uh, are they espousing Reconstructionism, or does it just all sound similar? I think it's actually, I think it's more complicated than that, because it's not just in the notion of putting God first. Right. It's how they understand putting God first. And I think Rustinese had a lot to do with that. Um, you know, David Barton is a great example of this. He's the, he is uh, you know, he's also from Texas, uh, fancies himself a historian, although he has no such credentials. Um, but he's been very involved with Glenn Beck and the, and the radio and television shows that Beck has had over the years. And he has also been involved in uh, presidential campaigns, um, not just in this round, uh, but previously, and so, for example, people like Santorum and people like uh, Michelle Bachman, mm-hmm. um, those folks 
have drawn on Barton's understanding of applying the Bible to everyday life, and that understanding is very much what was framed by Rush Dooney. I see. Let, let me ask you this as well. Has, um, have there been peaks and valleys in how much influence these thoughts have had on the history of our nation, and are the advocates, the Reconstructionists themselves, do they tend to be a part of other churches and speaking there, or do they go into one fellowship so they can be together? How does I'm just trying to get a feel of how that actually gets a foothold and how it spreads. Well, there's a couple of denominations that have um, some core groups of Reconstructionists in them, and sometimes that's clearly quite a point of contention inside the denomination. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, if you were, um, if I were going to drop into a community I didn't know and I wanted to go do a little more field research and I wanted to say, hmm, I wonder if there are any Reconstructionists here, I might look for a couple of different kinds of churches, mm-hmm. uh, typically Presbyterian, uh, but not the PCUSA, not the big mainline one, the smaller ones, like the Orthodox Presbyterian Church or the Presbyterian Church in America. Those are, those are more strongly Calvinist, and so uh, Reconstructionists are often drawn to them. That's not to say that everyone in those denominations is Reconstructionist. In fact, they often have little faction battles inside the churches because some people like the Christian Reconstructionist interpretation of Calvinism and other people do not. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you, you find them in some kinds of strongly Reformed, Protestant, often Presbyterian kinds of churches. You can often find them in other kinds of denominations where the church doesn't necessarily agree with them, but um, they sort of see it as their mission to, you know, provide books and spread the word and and all of that. There is additionally an interesting uh, organization called the National Center for Family Integrated Churches, and you can go on the web and look at them. They have thousands of affiliated churches, and you don't have to necessarily agree with everything that Reconstructionists believe to... um, to become an affiliated church, but you have to buy a lot of it. And when you're when you spend time around them, I think you sort of imbue some of it um, just kind of by osmosis. So you know, you might not be inclined to talk about dominion, but you might be really interested in this idea of not dividing families up in church and sending the kids off to Sunday school. So, mm-hmm. you jo- so say you're a pastor, you join the family integrated church movement, oh, but wait a minute, the women who are on our Board of Elders now, they can't be there anymore, so that has to start dropping off. And, yeah, you know, that dominion language is kind of interesting, so it just sort of permeates. And, you know, after a while, people are all homeschooling their kids, and uh, the the ideas spread, I think, in, in ad hoc, subtle kinds of ways. Um, but I don't think that that should surprise us. We mm-hmm. think that people, you know buy an, a whole agenda, and they think, oh, well, they have to be consistent, so they take the whole idea. But I don't think that that's actually how it really works. Mm-hmm. You know, and most people are not aware of the variety of influences in how they see the world. Mm-hmm. You know, Christians don't typically, they're not cognizant of how uh, much Plato influenced the early church and, influ- you know, like, what were the influences on, what were the philosophical influences on Augustine that shaped the traditions in Christianity? Well, people don't know that. Um, so I think a lot of the places where Rashtunese influence is evident, I think when, that you have to be pretty conversant with him to mm-hmm. be able to hear it. Julie, I, 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 for the book. 
Uh, yeah, right. That's exactly right. Julie, I, I'm sure there's some people listening to this that that will say, I can hardly believe this. I mean, this seems so outdated. This it, It's unlikely that somebody like this would be uh, alive in America. How influential is this movement, and is the influence of the movement strong enough that we ought to be concerned about it? Well, I'm concerned about efforts to to completely unravel public education, and I think that that traces back to Rush, Jimmy. I don't think that that means that there's a almost successful conspiracy that's going to, you know, kind of storm into the White House and the Congress and take over the government. I don't think that. Um, but I think that some of their positions that I, that I find troubling, and particularly, you know, as an educator, Public education is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, we see across the country a kind of broad-based uh, transformation in people's attitudes about public education, mm-hmm. their support for public education. Um, and and I, I think that that's rooted in part in the work of these folks. It's not, uh, it's not exclusively theirs. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that. Um, I, I just think that they've played a role in it in a way that we haven't really paid attention to. Mm-hmm. Julie, you have uh, worked on the research on this issue. Uh, You've written about it. Uh, I I think you've probably worked on this book for at least three decades. Um, Yeah, it's been a long time. Is there anything else you want to say to us that we need to know, keep in mind as we uh, read the book, uh, any political information or social information that you want us to be aware of? Well, it's always been my opinion that if you understand these folks, you can hear echoes of them all over the place. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's because they use peculiar language. And one example of that is in, in, the, in their longstanding criticism of public education. They call it government schooling. So they don't say public schools. They say government schools. Mm-hmm. And, what, and I've contended in the book that when you hear somebody use that phrase, whether that person knows it or not, they are reaching back to this tradition. And there's lots of examples of that. And I think once people read the book, they'll begin to hear them in, um, in, in, in political discourse where no one is saying, oh, well, this is Christian Reconstructionism. Um, but I think it is. Mm. And I think, but I think you have to know a good bit about them to hear it. Dr. Julie Ingersoll is professor of religious studies at the University of North Florida in Jacksonville, Her important new book is titled Building God's Kingdom Inside the World of Christian Reconstruction. Our friend Sarah Posner published an excellent interview with Dr. Ingersoll in Religion Dispatches magazine. We will link to that from stateofbelief.com so you can go there and read more. Uh, Julie, I can't thank you enough for being with us today on State of Belief Radio and for sharing information that may be new to some people's ears but needs to be picked up by all who care about our nation. I really appreciate uh, you being with us and what you've done. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Well, that's all the time there is for this week's show. Oh, I like this one a whole lot. I hope you did, too. If you've made a donation to State of Belief Radio this week, I want to say a very sincere thank you. The ongoing financial support of our listeners is essential to keeping the show on the air. 
If you find value in what you're hearing, and if you think it's important that more people hear what you're hearing, I urge you to join our other generous supporters today. Please visit stateofbelief.com. That's stateofbelief.com. Stateofbelief.com is also where you can sign up for our free weekly podcast and find links mentioned during the show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and share the stories you find compelling with your friends. We really need you to help spread the word about us and this show. State of Belief Radio is a production of Interfaith Alliance. Become a member today at interfaithalliance.org. And be sure to join us next week for more stories from the intersection of religion, government, and politics. Until then, you all take care of each other. I'm Welton Gaddy. That state of belief. The only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only boy who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man. See what he was. Mm-hmm. See what.